Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Leg Upward Inclusion Spotlight, Making the Invisible Visible. And for today's episode, it is my extreme pleasure to welcome a member of the indie creative community, Tori Harris. Hi. Hi, Tori. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Let me read your bio and introduce you to our podcast listeners. Tori started her own Instagram page at The Little Kitty Writes for her writing and debut novel, Finding Layla's Felicity, in 2018. And over the years, she found that Though there are many black and brown writers, they weren't really included in the author loops and blurb shares that happen quite often for indie authors on Instagram. So in April of 2019, she started the hashtag WOCWrite2 to create an inclusive black and brown woman uh, women author follow loop as well as a blurb share she hosted. It made real and deep connections, even leading to some of the authors meeting in real life. This led to her wanting to make it bigger, thus the Women of Color Write to page, a page where women of color can showcase their work for free to a broader audience, a place of positivity, and a space for healthy writer mental health advocacy. Wow, that is so awesome, Tori, and I'm so glad you're doing that. Well, thank you. You know, we're going to get back to uh, this Women of Color Write To page, but first, I want to start off in a completely different part of your life, and that is with your debut novel. So I want to read a little bit about it. So Finding Fel- uh, Layla's Felicity, Tori's debut novel, is all about a young woman's search for love, friendship, and acceptance. Layla Naji is torn from her family when tragedy strikes, leaving her to live with her aunt and uncle. Facing mental, verbal, and sexual abuse, Layla eventually turns to drugs and love from others to cope. This book is about her journey to finding felicity and love within herself. Wow, I really want to read this book, Tori. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Where can we find it? So it's still being written. I am unfortunately facing the case of writer's block, Mm -hmm. but I'm coming out of it to the point where, you know, I've been thinking about like more the middle and end. So it's really just the beginning that I got to get it together, but I will be publishing it on Amazon. Um, when it's done. So hopefully, hopefully by my 32nd birthday in March next year. Nice. And when that does happen, I will update all of the links on my end to make sure that I showcase that as well. What inspired, I mean, this is such, uh, you know, even the blurb is so powerful. And even from just the three lines I read, you know, I can tell that this is not one of your pick me up when you're bored type of mindless reads. This is going to be a very intense journey of self-discovery. Mm-hmm. What inspired you uh, to write this? So this book is actually very loosely based on a good, good friend I had. She went through so much turmoil as a child. And I met her when I was a teenager. And, um, you know, just so many things happen throughout the duration of our friendship, just because I don't, you know, for those who might know the story, I don't want to like say too much about what happened. But what I will say is that, um, you know, this, this young woman, she faced a lot of turmoil growing up and she did not know how to completely cope. And so I wish at that time I knew what I knew now 
to like help her because that's my like that was my good good friend like I will never ever forget her like I am very much straight but I loved her more than even like a romantic love like that was my best friend and you know even today I have no idea where she is what she's doing if she's alive I don't know um just because the end of you know, when things happen, got very crazy. And so finding Layla's Felicity, while it's not completely based on everything that happened with her and things that happened with me, it does have a lot of those elements. That's really powerful. And I feel like I can understand a little bit of mm-hmm. where that writer's block may be coming from now, because when stories are even loosely based on anything that's connected to our reality, I feel like there's so much added pressure to to, to do it just right, to do justice correct, correct. to the situation and the person. Mm-hmm, exactly. And not only that, but then, uh, you know, you got to think about it. Like, I knew her from maybe, what, from 16 until, like, 21. So that's, what, six years or five years of, of stuff that I have to stretch into more than that. So that it, it's a complete story. And again, it's only loosely based on her. So there's added elements that really have nothing to do with the actual story. Oh, okay, okay. So in terms of your background and sort of your, well, especially, especially your writing background, like mm-hmm. what what are you putting of yourself into it. There's actually a lot of elements of me in there. Um, so Layla has a best friend named Sky. A lot of me is in Sky, actually. I, I can I can say that because it's me. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Other than the writer's block, how was it writing it so far? You know, it's it's been that you know, with Layla, yes, she has her own fictional issues that I'm adding in and things like that. But with Sky, I didn't. There's some things, I guess, that I hadn't fully recovered from with my own traumas that I'm trying to write in um, without it being like a like my own story. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's coming face to face with those traumas that I'm like, oh, OK, how am I going to write mm-hmm. this without sobbing? <laughs> Oh, that's really interesting. Is there anything you learned about this process of, you know, sort of confronting or re-facing your own traumas in the process of writing? Um, honestly, the the main thing that I'm taking away from it is I'm thanking God that I did not end up the way that it could have ended up. You know, as, as a teenager, I faced a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, Um, because of the relationship with my mom and I. And my mom, I love my mom, you know what I mean? But I did not like my mom then. And to be honest, I'm not even sure I fully like her now. (laughs) But, um, you know, I've always loved my mom. She's always been there for me. She's always been my rock. However, because she has her own mental illnesses, it made it very difficult when I was growing up. And so there, there are many things like, um, one thing, and I, I even shared this on my, my main IG profile, the very first scene opens up with, you know, sky stepping on the scale and 
her mom saying that she looks a mess because her mom refused to take her shopping. Now, my mom, my actual mom, did not refuse to take me shopping. This is like, you know, like I said, an added element. But um, because her mom, Sky's mom, refused to take her shopping, she had grown out of her clothes. She's starting her senior year of high school, and she's just she feels like very withdrawn and and distraught. And so she contemplates tapping into her bulimic life that she lives, um, but she didn't have time because her mom was rushing her. So there's actually a lot of trigger points in this book. And I think that's a big reason why I'm a little bit blocked right now, because I don't want it to feel like YA, young adult. This is not a young adult book. You know, if teenagers read it, then fine, you know, whatever, nobody can stop them from reading it. But it, it will have a lot of situations that, you know, I don't think people will really understand how to cope with completely and how to not, um, you know, how to face their demons when they're a little bit older. Um, and every everybody's different. So I can't like say, oh, a teenager is not going to be able to handle this. No, not at all. But <clears throat> just because there are so many trigger warnings, I just... Um, I want to make sure that I am writing it in a way that comes off not so juvenile, I guess. Like that, that's how I've been feeling lately. So I'm trying to like regroup and, and make sure that I'm, I'm putting in the correct elements that will feel right to me. Yeah. And I think you have a very valid point about the trigger points, um, especially, you know, not, I, I, I don't, I don't even think it's uh, necessarily juvenile, but coming from black and brown communities where we're not automatically taught these coping mechanisms and we're not automatically given the resources to learn how to cope in healthy ways, you know, like that's what I was, uh, that's what came up in Mm -hmm. my mind as you were talking about this is because that's one of the reasons why I've just started delving into fiction is because I did not have the coping mechanisms to... Mm -hmm fully face those demons of the past and you know from a writer's perspective at least to fully face them Mm -hmm. and to um handle them and then to be art and then to be able to articulate them in a way that pushes the story forward while also adding depth you know so Mm -hmm. I think I think you know you have a you there's that I feel like that in itself like that whole mental well-being aspect writing as a coping mechanism and black and brown um communities especially black and brown women I think Mm -hmm. that I feel like that should be a whole episode in itself no seriously and actually um even on and, you know, obviously we'll talk about this a little bit later, but even on the WCW2, um, on that page, I'm actually going to have some mental health aspects mm. just because it's very hard being a black woman, black and brown woman who lives in a society where, and especially like only in the few recent years did mental health and, and therapy become not so taboo in our cultures. Um you know, even as a child, I wanted to be a psychiatrist. Um, I only stopped because I'm like, that's too much school and I can't stand school. But, you know, it's, it's always been said in our community, oh, you know, 
are you praying about it? Are you this? Are you that? And mind you, I'm very religious. I'm very, very religious. You will find me in church every Sabbath day, every Tuesday. I'm always preaching. I'm doing this and that. Um, So I'm not saying like coming to God is not correct because that's what I do. However, it's also very important to know that mental health is real and, and, and having depression and anxiety is real. And there's things that you can do. Yes. You know, me being a spiritual person, spirituality has a, like, I want to say 90% aspect of that and, and lifting me up and things like that. However, there's still that 10% in me that, I can't just pray it away and it's gone. And so I think it's really important for um, black and brown women, period, not just writers, but period, to know that it's okay to seek mental health uh, help. It's it's okay to, to want to dive into that. It's okay to want to understand why you're thinking these thoughts and is it normal and are other people facing these issues? And that's part of why I've been writing Finding Layla's Felicity because part of a huge, I want to say most of it is part of mental health issues. Yeah, I I completely agree. And when I told my family, my, you know, wonderful, wonderfully humongous, enormous all over the world Brown family, that this is what I wanted to do instead of going into medicine, that, you know, my the immediate response was, why do you want to deal with a bunch of crazy people, right? And I was like, stop thinking in these antiquated, like, 1950s asylum electric mm-hmm. shock mm-hmm. terms. It's a lot more nuanced than that. And I'm so glad you said that about what you're doing on your page. We should definitely talk once this episode is done, because I'm an immigrant. Mm-hmm. So on top of being, you know, mm-hmm. on top of being a brown woman, which is already a, you know, a double minority, I have that immigrant layer where it's it's a whole new layer of you don't belong. You're not mm-hmm. enough. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be a leader. And so mm-hmm. I'm actually like, right. that's why I became a coach for women of color. That's why I became an empowerment coach. And like, right. I'm actually working on um, releasing all of these initiatives that are specifically mm-hmm. targeted at women of color so that they can move past, you know, like aside from the mental health issues, for me, it's like, there is so much garbage that society just throws at us and just expects us to deal. Yeah. Just accept it as it, as uh, you know, as some type of a truth and that, that minimizes our lived experiences. And so, um, yeah, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I think, I think what you're doing is exactly what's needed and we have to take a short break, but it's also what you're doing right. and everything you've just talked about is a great segue into our next segment on diversity and inclusion, which we are going to dig very deeply into right after the short break. with Leg Up Word, Inclusion Spotlight, Making the Invisible Visible. Our guest speaker today is 
Tory, who is the founder of an entire movement for Black and Brown women writers on Instagram and on the internet. And so, Tori, like, I feel like, you know, what you said about mental health and about the Black and Brown experience just lends itself so nicely into this uh, little segment about diversity and inclusion. What has your experience been as a woman of color writer in the writing community? So uh, when I first joined on IG, um, late last year, so, or early last year. So here's the thing. I had already had my personal IG, um, and I, I've been talking about writing Finding Layla's Felicity for years. I mean, years. And finally I said, what are we doing? Let's do this. So I created a separate page, um, the Liddy Kitty Writes, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I began posting about my writing experience and networking and finding other writer friends. However, um, I felt like I had to dig to find black and brown writers. And I have no, you know, no issues, no qualms against my my white writer components and friends. Um, but I was like, where are my kinfolk? So, you know, what I began to do as I, as and I, I'm sure you've seen many loops that people do, like um, writing romance loop or writing this loop or whatever. <laughs> the ones I don't follow, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I put a whole post about how I'm tired of these gosh darn loops, but that's a whole nother topic. I think I re- that's the one I reposted, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> because it's enough. It's yeah. enough. Like, how many times are we going to do this in one week? What are we doing? But the first loop that I ever saw was uh, posted by my now friend Courtney on there. And, um, you know, she started women writing fiction and I I joined, I was like, yes, I want to do a blurb share. I'd love to do it. So she created um, these chats filled with different women. And I think a chat can hold like 30 people. And I think there were maybe three or four black people in all three chats. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, there, there was a couple, I know there were maybe like, there was, um, there's a Muslim girl in there, woman, excuse me, Muslim woman in there. And there was like maybe two other brown people, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there weren't a lot of us at all. And, you know, we would, we would talk about different things because it ended up being not just about writing, but you know, just about life in general. And I found it so unrelatable. Yes, I can relate to people as women. Yes, I can relate to being human, but there's, there's a certain part where, people of color live different lives than white people. And that's just, that just is like, it just is. And, you know, I, I got so tired of being the token brown girl in there talking about brown things and bringing up brown people and, and, and talking about the fact that these white people don't write about us. As if we don't exist. Yeah. And I asked them, I, I, I would ask randomly, like, hey, have you written any people of color in your books? Oh, you know, they're going to come in book two and book two. What the hell? <laughs> you know, like, what, do we not exist? Like, why aren't we worth writing about yeah. even in book one? Why can't we be a main character? Oh, I don't want to offend anybody. Okay, so let me ask you this, and, I, and I, I've literally said this. You've written about things from 1384 in kingdoms. Did you ask those people about the things that they've done? 
well, no, we Googled it. Then what do you think you could do about people of color? Like you have a person of color in here that you can ask questions, yet you refuse to acknowledge our existence. And it was at that moment, I said, there will be no white people or no white people with significance in my book and any sub subsequential books after. And so actually in Finding Layla's Felicity, um, Uncle Bert, which is her uncle, is a white man, but he is not a good person. So even though he plays a semi-major role, because after the first couple chapters, you don't, you don't see Bert again, he's, he's not a good person. He's a villain. And that's just, I'm just, I'm a live in my truth. That's how I feel. And that's, that's what I'm going to write. And in any other books that I write, they will have no significance because guess what? We are not included in their worlds. Think about it. Think about it. Even, even TV shows, right? Maybe not now. Well, actually, even some now, but like, think about Friends. Do you know why I don't like Friends and why I can't relate? Like the show? Yeah, the, the show. Oh, I've, I've, I never, I, okay, so I might be one of the only people on the planet, and I can't believe I'm about to admit this publicly. I have never watched a load of that show so far. And that's fine. That's fine because the reason why I don't like it and why I stopped watching it and why I don't agree with talking about it really period how are you in new york city and maybe two black people showed up on the show oh wow you see what yeah. i'm saying we don't exist in their world and this is why they will not exist in mine not really at least and it's so interesting to me that you brought up all of that because so i'm a nonfiction writer and i you know i think you know my my writing group right world indie warriors i'm the I'm the only like you know fully brown person mm -hmm. talking about brown things in that group, and they were the ones. And it's you know it was it, for me my my experience in the indie world I think was so different because of the leader of that group uh, Michelle, who she is all about mm -hmm. like authentic inclusion, and so she's mm -hmm. always like pushing me to push my boundaries in it. I was telling her one day about how there's like you know when when is the last time I saw like an Indian American woman as like some main heroine other than like Quantico you know where she's like this like crazy spy FBI like whatever agent and she's doing all these crazy things and I'm like mm -hmm. well yeah but no <laughs> I mean yeah she's brown but she's like a whitewashed brown <laughs> right right and that's actually why I made Layla. She is half Arabic, half black. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm including like all types of brown people. Being, being a brown woman is exhausting in a room full of white people. It, it is so exhausting. And part of why um, I also decided to, to not have them have significant roles in the book is because I want to just let these brown people be brown people. I don't. I don't want to have to have them uh, code switch. I don't. I don't. I don't want none of that. What I want to ask you next is, you know, so we see this gap in the writing community, and there are people mm -hmm. like you, and then of course people like Michelle, who are actually like, you know, we want to have an impact on inclusion. What mm -hmm. do you think? What What do we need to do to make Make our invisibility visible to, I don't know, the rest of the world and to actually move us towards 
spaces where our voices are and our voices and our stories are mm-hmm. acknowledged on the same level as mm-hmm. you know the quote unquote mainstream writing community mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um I think a lot of it has to do with us as a whole. Because we've been so hurt by white people, we stick to ourselves. And so this is why I found it very hard to find black and brown people in the beginning um, who write, at least women. You know, men, you can kind of easily find the men. Um, well, actually, really? not really. Not for, that's what I'm, it see it depends it depends um and i'll I'll talk more about that when we talk about wocw2 but um i i feel like it starts with us making ourselves hurt um i see in a lot of people's hashtags because speaking that i am going to be marketing other people's work i'm researching different hashtags and you know to get the the word uh more Mm -hmm. spread right and I noticed that on our stuff for black and brown people, we include a lot of just black and brown hashtags. So white people just don't see us, number one, because we're not included in, they're not included in those hashtags. And then two, I don't think we reach out to that audience enough, if that makes sense. In one sense, it does. In, you know, it, what you mean by reaching out to them to like actually like by inter intermixing our hashtags it's almost like sort of an invitation for them to step into these spaces but at the same time like you know i Mm -hmm. i want to play devil's advocate here and say we are playing in their field so how do we make sense of that then right And that's that's the problem with these conversations. Not the problem, but the the issue I have not with the conversations, but with the topic as a whole, because it is very difficult um, unless they realize their whiteness. If they don't realize their whiteness and their privilege, they're never going to see the difference between us and them. They're going to think, oh, they're just it's fine, like whatever, like. I can just pick up a book and if I like it, I like it. And if I don't, I don't. Like I had a conversation with my writer friends that are in my group from the original um, writer's loop that I was in. Uh, We formed our own little group, our own little tribe. And, you know, I asked them, when's the last time you read something for someone black or brown? And they said, well, I don't know. And I'm like, that's it's intentionality. You have to be intentional about these things. Because otherwise, you're just you're you're neglecting a whole group of people because you're reading only what you know of. Like for instance, um, you know, with me doing these posts, I'm I'm posting in different genres, and one of my white writer friends says, "I don't know of any black people or brown people who do science fiction," and I'm like, "There's a whole group of people who do that." Like this 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 genre isn't just for white people but because they're so used to reading what they know there's no intentionality behind that so it's a two-part thing it's on our end but on their end as well but if they don't realize that it's a problem 
they're not going to change it. So it, it again falls on the black and brown shoulders that it has always been since the very beginning. Right. The burden to educate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's why I said it's exhausting. Yeah. I was recently reading this entire, I don't think it was a dissertation, but it was, it was a series of papers, scholarly papers uh, in the academic world on, on how being white is actually also, you know, just like, you know, the, the origins of blackness in America have been erased. Um, so have the origins, you know, the, the, they've not, the, the origins of whiteness have not been erased. They've just been neglected, but they've been neglected to the point where people you know a lot of people have even forgotten that white being white in a you know anywhere in the world is just a racial construct like any of the others yep yep exactly it was like it was i'm using these posts in like a series of like my diversity and inclusion blog posts in the future but it's so interesting what you Mm. said about about you know you have to be able to acknowledge it and you have to be able to see past it and you have to be able to realize your privilege and and sort of your space in order to be able to acknowledge other people's spaces. Exactly. What would you say, you know, this is going to be the clothing part of this particular segment before we move on to talking about women of color right too. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to aspiring women of color writers who want to find their voice, who want to find their stories, who want to find their tribe. I mean, the obvious one is, you know, come find you. But beyond that. (laughs) Networking. Networking, networking, networking. Um, You know, a a lot of what I learned and why I branched out to create WCW2 is through networking and through reading and through learning just from IG alone. There's so many resources there for us, but we have to do the work and dig a little bit. And not just that, but also look at, unfortunately, sometimes in this, what I've learned is to look at what the white people are doing. See how they're marketing, see how they're doing their bookstagram, see how they're doing this and that and the third so that we can start integrating it within our own selves. I'm sorry, what is a bookstagram? So bookstagram is like, you know, when you can see books and like it has like leaves and like all these aesthetic things, that is bookstagram. What is the purpose of that? To basically just showcase books or, um, you know, to show what you're reading and things like that. I mean, I've seen them before, but I'm coming from the perspective of I'm an aspiring mm-hmm. writer. I don't know anything about this. So what is this word you just said? <laughs> right, right, right. Now, got you. Yeah, I think you're so right about the networking. I think I, I think it's really important to to find your spaces. And I mean, so you you actually are the second and only the second uh, woman of color that I came in contact with because of World Indie Warriors. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I'm counting Michelle as a writer, but also as a marketing specialist. And the other, the only other mm-hmm. black woman I came in contact with before mm-hmm. you was. Um, Kim, the editor. Yeah. And you are the one who actually then opened my eyes up to black and brown writers across all genres. Like 
I literally had no idea there were so many of us. That's how it felt when I first got onto IG. I was like, where are we at? I I know we exist. I come from a black mama. Where are these people? You know, and then, and then I found like a whole pocket of like Indian mm-hmm. poets, which was just so odd for me. But then they're all, like, they're in India. And I'm like, um, I understand only half of what you're writing. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I tried to include them as well, but none of them have really responded to my my post. So but I'm, I'm gonna still keep trying because oh. they are people of color, too. And all jokes aside, I'm so I'm not fluent at Hindi. I can get by. So, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um. Well, we have to take a break on this uh, on this segment of uh, diversity and inclusion, but uh, I think we're coming to the most exciting part of it, which is talking about the future of WOCW2, and we'll be back to talk about that after this very short break, so don't go anywhere. Leg Upward Inclusion Spotlight, Making the Invisible Visible, and our guest speaker today is Tori from Women of Color Write To, an entire movement of writing for black and brown women writers, and I cannot tell you, my listeners, just how inspired and grateful I am that this woman came into my life because she exposed me to to, to to spaces and people that I was like dreaming of that I didn't even know existed in reality. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's serious. I'm, I'm, I'm serious though. Like I think what you're doing with this entire movement is so important and so necessary right now. I mean, it was necessary 10 years ago, mm-hmm. but it's even more necessary right now because I can think of a better way to fight these, to, to fight all these stereotypes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. So I know what you were thinking of when you started it. Tell me mm-hmm. more about what you are thinking of in this movement's future. Oh, okay. So I would love, so I'm in New York and so many writer and bookish things happen here. I want to have a woman of color write to conference. Um, and I, I would love to do it at the end of next year and, and get, you know, so many different like workshops going and just different things like that. Like I, I, oh, I want to do it so bad. And, um, there is an Instagram, uh, called black girls, Write Two, mm-hmm. I think it is. And they're doing a Miami retreat, uh, I think end of next year, beginning of this year. And that inspired me to want to do that as well as, uh, the lit exhibit here in New York. Um, and both of those are, are on Instagram. Um, but basically what I want to be able to do is open it up so that it, it's low cost because especially for out of towners who would have to get to New York in the first place. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm not going to do that, <laughs> but, um, you know, have it, have it as a low cost, um, three day workshop, um, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, I'm in church on Saturday. So ain't no fun things going on when I ain't there, but just having just a space for us to write and network and, and 
sell books to each other because we are our own biggest fans, honestly. Like, I have networked with so many different black and brown women so far, and they're just like, when are you releasing your book? Um, I can't wait to get it, and then I'll buy theirs, and, like, I'm I'm getting ready to um, review some of them soon. Like, I'm just, I'm so excited for uh, woman of color, right? Too, I really am, and I'm just thankful that other people are excited too, because you know I'm doing this for free. This is all me, and luckily I am unemployed right now, so I can kind of focus on it more than I would have been able to if I had a job. But um, you know, I'm able to create this space where we can really see there is a, a black or brown woman writing about. 12th century Victorian times. There is a black and brown woman making a podcast about space and and a fictional novel that deals with space. And there's a black and brown woman talking about how we are strong, but but weak and and regular women and and we have long hair and we have pretty eyes and we're not just housemaids and and things like that. Like so many different stories about real life black and brown women. And I'm just, I'm so excited about it. That's fantastic. You took me on this journey and I forgot what I was going to ask you. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, no, no. Um, I think it's, I think it's just, I, I think it's just such a phenomenal vision. And there is something to be said about how being unemployed has actually allowed me to live my dream listen if i can because you know another vision i have for wcw2 is merchandise i'm gonna be selling some merchandise maybe next month maybe november sometime before the end of this year but my point is if i could live off of writing and wcw2 forget a nine to five i'm good yeah, absolutely. Where can people find your merchandise, these lists of people, all of it? So the merchandise still, I still got to figure that out. I haven't really been thinking that far ahead because the page launch is official for this Sunday, the 15th. So people have been um, commenting and things like that on the post, which is good because I'm creating now posts specifically for them. So the way that it works is that um, Sunday I post four authors for the week, like an author spotlight of, of who's going to be coming up, right? And then Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, I'm going to be posting two posts from one author each. So it'll be a post um, showcasing all their works. So let's say they have a work in progress. Let's say they have a book already published. Let's say they have a podcast. They can talk about all of that and I'll make it very aesthetically pleasing and, um, you know, market it out. And then the second post will be a passage or a quote or, you know, uh, uh, an excerpt from one particular work Mm. um so they'll have two they'll have technically three posts each that first post that they share all together the one that they have where it's showcasing all their works and then the third is to showcase um one particular work so that launches off on sunday the 15th at uh i think i'm gonna do 3 30 p.m eastern um so i'm gonna do the yes eastern standard time um so i'm gonna have the launch party 
And then I'm going to do the first post shortly after that. And then it's just going to go from there. Awesome. That was going to be my next question, actually, is if you're going to do a launch party. And and I even said this in an intro post, and I'm going to reiterate it um, once I officially launch. But I want this to be inclusive of everyone, not just black and brown people, but white writer friends and readers as well. Like, I want everybody to be included. It's just that black and brown people are the main stars. And that, that's just, that's just how it is for this, because it's literally about black and brown women who write. And eventually, um, I believe in November, I'm going to also have a week dedicated to the men who write black and brown men. Um, I also want to dedicate a week, maybe in December for other art forms like, uh, photography, like dance, like things like that. So it's not just going to be limited to, um, women who write, but I, I want, I want everybody to, to be included in this all art form. Before, you know, before we sign off, what is the one takeaway message that you want to leave our listeners with today in this particular conversation? Black and brown women, keep speaking, keep speaking, keep writing, keep trying because we are seen people see us that's the thing people see us though they don't want to admit that they see us so just keep going because one day this type of thing won't be as as like we we will feel more included later i think um, just like how mental health, how that wasn't in our community for a long time. And now that's all we talk about and not all we talk about, but you know what I mean? So that it, it shows that it's important and people get it now. And I feel it's going to be the same for black and brown women who write. We will be topics of conversation. We will be guest speakers at events. We will be able to show our work and compete with right writers. But if we don't do the the work, if we don't if we don't continue to try, it's never gonna happen. That is such a powerful message. As a coach, I always tell people the only games that you lose are the ones you don't play in. Because mm-hmm. every game that you play in, you're actually playing. So you're doing something towards investing in your mm-hmm. own growth and development so you're not losing so thank you for that thank god because i i was sitting here like in the beginning when you told me you were gonna ask me that i was like okay let's think about it and then we started having a good conversation and then when you asked me now and i'm like oh crap i have no idea i what told I'm gonna you say. it was gonna happen naturally <laughs> so thank god <laughs> you did you did Thank you so much, Tori, for having this conversation with me. It was absolutely enlightening. And I've actually learned things about Instagram that I did not know before. Um, So I'll be hitting you up about those. Mm-hmm. And thank you for doing the work with Please. WOCW2. And I look forward to reading Layla's Felicity when it does get released. And I will update all of your social media information then for my listeners. We were listening to Tori Harris, who is a force to be reckoned with and who is creating a movement for black and brown writers on Instagram. All of her social media handles and the website information and ways to contact her and to get involved in this absolutely crucial movement will be included in the show notes. So don't forget to connect with her. And until the next episode, 
the question that I want to leave all of you with is, how are you making the invisible visible in your life today? And what can you do better about that? And how can you acknowledge yourself about the work that you've done so far? On that note, we'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, I hope you all have a wonderful time.